Chapter Two of Three Years by Anton Chekhov, translated by Constance Garnett, eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Two. The next morning was a cheerful one. It was a holiday. At ten o'clock, Nina Fyodorovna, wearing a brown dress and with her hair neatly arranged was led into the drawing-room supported on each side there she walked about a little and stood by the open window and her smile was broad and naive and looking at her one recalled a local artist a great drunkard who wanted her to sit to him for a picture of the russian carnival and all of them the children the servants her brother alexey fyodorovitch and she herself were suddenly convinced that she was certainly going to get well with shrieks of laughter the children ran after their uncle chasing him and catching him and filling the house with noise people called to ask how she was brought her holy bread told her that in almost all the churches they were offering up prayers for her that day she had been conspicuous for her benevolence in the town and was liked she was very ready with her charity like her brother alexey who gave away his money freely without considering whether it was necessary to give it or not nina fyodorovna used to pay the school fees for poor children used to give away tea sugar and jam to old women used to provide trousseau for poor brides and if she picked up a newspaper she always looked first of all to see if there were any appeals for charity or a paragraph about somebody's being in a destitute condition she was holding now in her hand a bundle of notes by means of which various poor people her protégés had procured goods from a grocer's shop they had been sent her the evening before by the shopkeeper with a request for the payment of the total eighty-two roubles my goodness what a lot they've had they've no conscience she said deciphering with difficulty her ugly handwriting it's no joke eighty-two roubles i declare i won't pay it i'll pay it to-day said laptoff why should you why should you cried nina fyodorovna in agitation it's quite enough for me to take two hundred and fifty every month from you and our brother god bless you she added speaking softly so as not to be overheard by the servants well but i spend two thousand five hundred a month he said i tell you again dear you have just as much right to spend it as i or fyodor do understand that once for all there are three of us and for every three kopecks of our father's money one belongs to you but nina fyodorovna did not understand and her expression looked as though she were mentally solving some very difficult problem and this lack of comprehension in pecuniary matters always made laptoff feel uneasy and troubled he suspected that she had private debts in addition which worried her and of which she scrupled to tell him then came the sound of footsteps and heavy breathing it was the doctor coming up the stairs dishevelled and unkempt as usual roo, 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 he was humming roo, roo. to avoid meeting him laptoff went into the dining-room and then went downstairs to his own room it was clear to him that to get on with the doctor and to drop in at his house without formalities was impossible and to meet the old brute as panarov called him was distasteful that was why he so rarely saw yulia he reflected now that the father was not at home that if he were to take yulia sergeyevna her parasol he would be sure to find her at home alone and his heart ached with joy haste haste he took the parasol and violently agitated flew on the wings of love it was hot in the street 
in the big courtyard of the doctor's house overgrown with coarse grass and nettles some twenty urchins were playing ball these were all the children of working-class families who tenanted the three disreputable-looking lodges which the doctor was always meaning to have done up though he put it off from year to year the yard resounded with ringing healthy voices at some distance on one side yulia sergeyevna was standing at her porch her hands folded watching the game good morning laptov called to her she looked around usually he saw her indifferent cold or tired as she had been the evening before now her face looked full of life and frolic like the faces of the boys who were playing ball look they never play so merrily in moscow she said going to meet him there are no such big yards there though they've no place to run there papa has only just gone to you she added looking round at the children i know but i've not come to see him but to see you said laptev admiring her youthfulness which he had not noticed till then and seemed only that day to have discovered in her it seemed to him as though he were seeing her slender white neck with a gold chain for the first time i've come to see you he repeated my sister has sent you your parasol you forgot it yesterday she put out her hand to take the parasol but he pressed it to his bosom and spoke passionately without restraint yielding again to the sweet ecstasy he had felt the night before sitting under the parasol i entreat you give it me i shall keep it in memory of you of our acquaintance it's so wonderful take it she said and blushed but there's nothing wonderful about it he looked at her in ecstasy in silence not knowing what to say why am i keeping you here in the heat she said after a brief pause laughing let us go indoors i am not disturbing you they went into the hall yulia sergeyevna ran upstairs her white dress with blue flowers on it rustling as she went i can't be disturbed she answered stopping on the landing i never do anything every day is a holiday for me from morning till night what you say is inconceivable to me he said going up to her i grew up in a world in which every one without exception men and women alike worked hard every day but if one has nothing to do she asked one has to arrange one's life under such conditions that work is inevitable there can be no clean and happy life without work again he pressed the parasol to his bosom and to his own surprise spoke softly in a voice unlike his own if you would consent to be my wife i would give everything i would give everything there's no price i would not pay no sacrifice i would not make she started and looked at him with wonder and alarm what are you saying she brought out turning pale it's impossible i assure you forgive me then with the same rustle of her skirts she went up higher and vanished through the doorway laptev grasped what this meant and his mood was transformed completely abruptly as though a light in his soul had suddenly been extinguished filled with the shame of a man humiliated of a man who is disdained who is not liked who is distasteful perhaps disgusting who is shunned he walked out of the house i would give everything he thought mimicking himself as he went home through the heat and recalled the details of his declaration i would give everything like a regular tradesman as though she wanted your everything all he had just said seemed to him repulsively stupid why had he lied saying that he had grown up in a world where everyone worked without exception why had he talked to her in a lecturing tone about a clean and happy life it was not clever not interesting it was false 
false in the moscow style but by degrees there followed that mood of indifference into which criminals sink after a severe sentence he began thinking that thank god everything was at an end and that the terrible uncertainty was over that now there was no need to spend whole days in anticipation in pining in thinking always of the same thing now everything was clear he must give up all hope of personal happiness live without desires without hopes without dreams or expectations and to escape that dreary sadness which he was so sick of trying to soothe he could busy himself with other people's affairs other people's happiness and old age would come on imperceptibly and life would reach its end and nothing more was wanted he did not care he wished for nothing and could reason about it coolly but there was a sort of heaviness in his face especially under his eyes his forehead felt drawn tight like elastic and tears were almost starting into his eyes feeling weak all over he lay down on his bed and in five minutes was sound asleep End of chapter 2, recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.